Welcome to Marvelicious Toys. Hosted by Justin and his amazing friends, Arnie and Marjorie. We bring you news and reviews of Marvel toys, statues, and more. Because not all Marvel collections can be bagged and boarded. They're not just toys. They're Marvelicious. Hello and welcome to our first anniversary show for Marvelicious Toys. It's issue number 27. I'm Marjorie. I'm Arnie and I'm feeling old. <laughs> I'm Justin. So here we are celebrating one year of potty mouth talk <laughs> about Marvel toys and everything in between. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a lot longer than a year ago that we started this, to be perfectly honest. I can't believe it's only been a year because... We have covered so much in the past year. So many waves of figures, statues. One year ago, I went, hot what? Uh, that ended up being my fault. And I'm sorry to myself for that because I've created a monster. I think it was after the first or second show, somebody wrote in and said, are you going to cover hot toys? Please don't cover hot toys. <laughs> You're going to cost me a lot of money. <laughs> and then I bought you one. And that was a mistake. <laughs> That's a good point, though. I kind of feel like your collection, Arnie, would be a good barometer of how far we've come over a year. Because to me, I mean, I know you were collecting a little bit before we started recording. But for me, I'd been collecting well before that. And it's all just kind of a blur. It all kind of blurs together for me. But you kind of have a starting point to look at and see how much room is now unavailable in your home because of this. We want to thank our listeners, both those who are listening for the first time and the listeners who stuck with us since no matter how long I've been podcasting, the first episode always is a little bumpy. And I think we've come a long way in a short time. And, you know, we've made some good friends in the past year who want to help us celebrate this first anniversary by giving you things. And when I say you, I don't mean you, Marjorie, or you, Justin. I mean you, the listener, can win a lot of stuff this show. We've got big prizes from Kotobukiya, Gentle Giant, and Backstage Toys. We're going to kind of drip them out. There are multiple ways to enter. You can enter multiple times, one time through each way. The more often you enter, the greater your chances to win. But you can only win one prize. It's all going to be a random drawing. So we'll kind of let that information out throughout the show. Now, because of shipping and restrictions, this is only open to listeners in the U.S. All entries have to be received by December 10th, and you have to listen to our December 15th show to find out if you won and claim your prize within 30 days of that show. So now that that's out of the way and all the full contest details can be found on MarveliciousToys.com, but we'll be telling you what the prizes are and ways to enter during this show at random spots. But we have one prize to give away that we've been giving away since our trip to New York Comic Con, the Compound Hulk figure. We had people enter that by writing Hulku in our forums. And I have to say that I wish I could come up with stuff for the one-year episode that's as fun as a Hulku, because I had so many smiles by going and reading these Hulku. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of fun, actually. Some of these are really great. Yeah, they really are. You guys all... Put a lot of time and effort into these. One of my favorite ones, Dink1313, wrote, When Hulk get angry, shreds all clothes and goes naked. Must shop tomorrow. <laughs> I personally kind of like Mysterio Man. He put a little time and effort into the format and coloring of his post. He went between purple and green text. And it's viscerally nice. But he said, Hulk get mad, clothes rip, 
Shirt, pants, shoes, all ruined now. Why undies? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like the one from Jedi Jaybird. He wrote, Compound Hulk worried. Private's half green and half red. Time to call doctor. <laughs> I have another one that I thought was just really funny. And I'm not saying it because that has Arnie's name in it, but... Hulk read Arnie's post. Seven, then five, then seven. Arnie dyslexic. And that was by Jeff. <laughs> I've never been made fun of in verse before. But yes, it turned out my haiku, Incredible Compound Hulk, both red and green skin, how much rage must burn inside, was inverted. It was an inverted haiku. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> so you have haiku dyslexia. I like it. <laughs> There were so many good ones. There was Sanguine Dream, Why Hulk Get No Love, Why Hulk's Films Not Make Money, Hulk Need New Agents. <laughs> but the winner by random drawing was Jeff, not for making fun of me, but he wrote several. He, you only get one entry no matter how many haiku you write, but he had some very humorous ones. For example, Howdy Ruffalo, Smash, 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 Smash. Hulk no Zoolander. <laughs> Even though it was random, you, you get a Ruffalo and a Zoolander reference into a haiku. I think you deserve a prize. <laughs> <laughs> or Hulk feeling horny. Smash, 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 smash. Hulk doing it wrong. <laughs> so congrats, Jeff. Just PM me your shipping information in the next 30 days, and we will have that compound Hulk out in the mail to you. All right, so... In the spirit of giving away prizes, let's go ahead and talk about our first prize for our anniversary show. And what we've got here is a Marvel Minimates four-pack of the X-Men First Class box set, courtesy of Backstage Toys. The way you enter, you're entering for all the prizes. So by doing this entry method, this is one way to enter the contest. You could win any of the prizes. And this way to enter is you have to be a member of Facebook a fan of the Marvelicious Toys Facebook page, and we're going to post episode announcements for this one-year episode 27, as well as our Black Friday issue 28. You just have to share one of those, or both of those, on your Facebook wall with all of your Facebook friends and followers, and that will get you one entry into the, our anniversary contest to win one of these great prizes. Excellent. Now, before we get into other show news, I do want to have one follow-up to our last issue, where we reviewed Marjorie's Galactus Maxi Mate from Diamond Select, and a listener wrote in and gave me some information about it that I didn't realize. We were talking about how we were a little bit surprised that it didn't feature the articulation, since the mini-mates, for being so small, are usually very articulated, and he said that what had come out in some interviews around the time is it was a licensing thing, and of course, we know about that, how... Certain scales have certain rights to do certain things, and if Diamond made an articulated figure in that scale, if it was plastic, it would be interfering with other licensing rights, but by making a resin, unarticulated statue, they were able to do that. Hmm. I can see that line of thinking a lot of times, you know, the difference between a, an articulated figure and a statue. But come on, who's going to mistake a mini-mate? <laughs> for anything but a mini-mate. Well, that's the same reason why you can't have Kubricks in the U.S. is because they resemble Legos. True, true, but there's no 12-inch Kubricks for this to be confused. I don't know. It's yes, just... sir, there's large Kubricks, the 400%. Well, I suppose. No, I have I suppose. the Iron Man one, actually the Bear Brick one. He's very cute. Yeah, I, 
it just makes a lot of sense. And also, these retailed for about $100. So for what you got and the age and the condition, I think the 160 you paid was a really good price. Although a couple did pop up on eBay since then and went slightly cheaper. But still, with this was in hand and we got to inspect it. I didn't even know I wanted them until I saw them. <laughs> I would have never been looking for a giant Galactus. <laughs> or even known to look for them. Yes, exactly. I thought you said that you felt like it was metal. Now, from what I read, I think it's a resin statue, right? It is resin, but I don't know. It is a hard resin. It is not plastic. When you put it down, it makes it clunk, so... This doesn't feel like regular plastic. It, it feels very tinny. And it is colder than plastics. You know what I mean when I say that? Like, metal is cold? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. But I think there's different types of resin as well. Yeah, some that hold heat better than others. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> no, but I also saw the Sentinel that goes along with that, and I think the Galactus far outshines the Sentinel. I agree, because I thought I'd have to get the Sentinel until I saw him, and I'm like, eh, I can live with that. And now, one last thing about the show. If you've listened to our sister podcast, Star Wars Action News, you know that every year we do a Sithmas gift exchange where people sign up and send each other a toy or gift around the $10 price range, and it's kind of a secret Santa situation. Well, we didn't do this last year because Marvelicious Toys was so new, but this year we are doing the Marvelicious Toys Mighty Gift Exchange. <laughs> That's awful punny. Not the sweet Christmas gift exchange? <laughs> I thought we'd go with the Sweet Christmas gift exchange. Well, it's not just Sweet Christmas. It could be Sweet Hanukkah or Sweet Kwanzaa. Festivus. Very true. Sweet Festivus. For the rest of us. Sweet Potato. (laughs) Whatever you celebrate this season, you can come to our homepage at MarveliciousToys.com, sign up, and the way it works is you send somebody a gift and somebody else sends you a gift and the minimum is $10. There is no maximum if you're... You know, Mr. Monopoly sitting on Boardwalk and Park Place and want to send something else. Or somebody wants to send me like a 10-carat diamond ring, that's fine, too. You know, I'll just take it, whatever. Well, it should be, you know, somewhat Marvel-related. It would be marvelous. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, I mean, I as a listener, I've been doing this for years over on the Star Wars Action News side. And it's it's always fun to get a, a box with, you know absolutely no idea what's on the inside but you know it's going to be something fun so i'm i'm like very excited for for our first annual xmas gift exchange so yeah come on over to the homepage. all of the particulars are spelled out there and if you have any other questions send us an email at show at marveliciousstoys.com and now with the longest preamble in our one-year history finally over <laughs> shall we do the spectacular store report um, hold on a minute, Arnie. We have another prize to give away. Oh, already? Yes. Okay, the preamble shall go longer. Yes. <laughs> the second prize we're giving away is a Marvel Universe Deadpool adult black t-shirt, large or extra large only. The second way to enter to win some prizes is retweet a Marvelicious Toys show announcement on your Twitter account or your mom's or your grandma's, whatever. But if it's on your mom's or your grandma's, they get the shirt or yes. whatever prize they happen to get. Grandma needs to rock a Deadpool shirt. If it's your grandma's, I want to see a picture of her in it. (laughs) I'm not going to touch that. Now the preamble can be over and we can go to our... The Spectacular Store Report. 
Well, like we said last show, you know, when it rains, it pours. And it seems like maybe now we're in a little bit of a, a dry spell. I don't want to call it a drought just yet, you know, because, you know, the, the newer waves are still shipping out there. So that's good. But what I've been seeing a lot of lately at both Walmart and Target is some revision case that has just been clogging the pegs with figures that aren't that old. So they're figures that might even still have been sitting there and are now being replenished. So I'm seeing a lot of Dr. Dooms and Falcons and Apocalypse, Scar, Dr. Strange, just a regular version, and Scarlet Spider hitting at these stores. So if you see those, you know you've seen this revision case that seems to be just showing up absolutely everywhere. I got to be honest, because I know I'm not looking for anything, I've only gone to one store since our last show, and it was a Toys R Us, and it was mad crazy with people. And I didn't see any of these figures, but you said Walmart and Target, and I just haven't caught. <laughs> well, Toys R Us, if, if you're still looking for the most recent wave, is the only place that I've seen the variant of Absorbing Man. And another one just showed up at my local store this week. So if you missed that one, I would check your own local Toys R Us and see if you can't find him. I've seen him there as well. Yeah, I thought that would ship, you know, in bigger numbers, but it seems like we're already moving on to a revision case. And then before you know it, it's going to be wave 17 and he might get lost in the fold there. So pick him up if you want him and you see him because he might not be there next time. While I've been at Targets and stuff, I've been noticing Captain America pegs continuing to get restocked along with, with the Thor pegs and stuff like that. So those lines are still going and I've seen wave two of Thor showing up and some more of that wave three of Captain America with the comic version of Red Skull out there. So those are all, you know, still moving along out there. But I've also seen that wave of Iron Man figures that we talked about showing up at a lot of targets now. Yeah, I've seen them at our local target, too. And I was surprised to see those figures at retail and yet still no Armored Adventure wave. Yeah, that's the one thing that stops me from reading too much into why those are shipping. You know, the the guy, the collector guy inside me wants to think like, okay, well, maybe somewhere there's a warehouse that has all these later waves of Thor figures that still haven't shipped yet and the Iron Man armored Avenger stuff sitting there waiting to go. But I still haven't seen any of those things. And we're seeing what I assume is the last wave of the Iron Man 2 line. Because it's, you know, it's all repaints and whatnot. You get the you got that black and gold Mark V armor and a repaint of War Machine and all that good stuff. But maybe it's just false hope that eventually Thor figures will show up at Target and Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised that they're showing up. I still, again, these were some of those figures that I started ordering cases from Entertainment Earth for and not regretting that decision, although they are all repaints. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember last week, we were talking about how our podcast enhancer, Barrett, found the Stretch Strike Venom for us at the Disney store and was nice enough to grab him for us and send him out. Well, then he also happened to find it at Target not too long after that. And then just yesterday, I saw him at Walmart, which is exciting. You know, this is a great figure, and I hope a lot more people get a chance to pick it up because I don't know if you've had a chance to open yours up, Arnie, but this is what Venom should be. I haven't opened him, but I've marveled at him through the plastic. <laughs> He's a great little figure. I mean, missing ankle articulation and wrist articulation, but sculpted so much closer to what Venom is in my mind than that first one that I'll overlook the lack of articulation on that guy. I wonder if maybe he's shipping with Shocker and we just haven't seen him yet. Do we know the case assortment on this? You know, I don't think he is shipping with Shocker. 
I would like to think that, but I I happened to come across a brand new case at Walmart when I saw this. Matter of fact, they were just putting them out, and I had the same thought. And lo and behold, no shocker in there. But there are some more Spider-Man repaints in there that are getting kind of wacky. So new ones, some more. You know, it's hard to tell what's new and what's old. You know, with those the Spider-Man, some of them are so close to one another. Yeah. But, you know, with without having all of them, they're looking. Side by side, I couldn't tell you what's new and what's not. But that's why that line needs to keep doing more villains. Those are easy to pick out. (laughs) (laughs) And much cooler than snowboarding Spidey. (laughs) Now, I also, over at Toys R Us, happened to pick up a Deadpool bust bank. Now, I've seen these things sitting around for a little bit there, and I just never really paid that much attention to them. They've had Captain America, and there's an Iron Man one there, and I think I saw Thor. I've looked at these before, and while I kind of think the Venom one looks a little cool, and maybe Cap, it I really just come and go on how some of them look. The Iron Man one looks incredibly cheap, and the Hulk one looked really bad. The Red Hulk one was kind of cool, though. It's just, it was the way the color of the plastic showed. Well, yeah, and that's that's kind of what I was getting at here is that i've kind of they've always been in my peripheral there on the shelf and the other day i saw deadpool and he always catches my eye so i kind of picked him up and looked at him and i was about to not get him but then something inside me said that's not a bad sculpt actually that's a very nice sculpt for a bank the only problem is it's just not painted all that well they've only used you know two or three colors here and i think with some new paint this guy could be a nice high-end looking almost gentle giant type of bust so I'm going to try that out, and maybe I'll document my trial and error in the forums and see if we can't do a quick customizing segment on these bus banks and start turning some of these $10 things into nice-looking high-end collectibles. That would be good. I always did think the sculpt was good. It's just the overall impression of them. And whenever I see them putting out new stuff at Toy Fair or San Diego Comic-Con, I always do give them a look. And, yeah, that Deadpool one is perhaps the nicest one they've done so far, plus Deadpool being such the fan favorite that he is. <laughs> yeah, he'll probably move pretty quick, but, you know, for for a piggy bank, I don't know how much money you could get in there. There's not a whole lot of room. I suppose if you collect nothing but quarters, you could get, you know, five, ten bucks in there. And if you collect nothing but bust banks, you'd actually have money to put in it. <laughs> And since it has been somewhat slow at stores, that's usually when, when I get a little restless and I decide to take a road trip and get out of my own area and try to raid somebody else's area. So I always head down to Kansas City and hit these stores they have down there called Vintage Stock, which I think we've talked about before. They just kind of have new and used toys and video games and comics and music and movies, a little bit of everything. But for whatever reason, it seems to be where everybody in that town gets rid of their Marvel Legends collections. So it's always something new and different down there. And this last weekend, they happened to have a 30% off all of their their pre-owned toys. So I went down there and wasn't really looking for anything in particular, but I came home with quite a haul of decent figures at really good prices. I found all these Marvel Legends, Danger. I found her mint on card for three bucks. Wow. I picked up Cyclops. Yes, I picked up Cyclops for eight bucks. And that's a, I'm talking Toy Biz Cyclops, a pretty hard to find figure for only eight bucks. And then Wasp, she was loose, but she had all of her wings and everything. Not too shabby at three bucks. And then X23, I bought her. But, you know, I had looked at her in the past before, and now that I got her, I'm glad I only spent two bucks on her. She's she's kind of straddling the line between, like, anime and cartoony and realistic. So 
Not a huge fan of that figure. But then I also found Demon Goblin from that Spider-Man line that kind of was an offshoot of Legends for a while there, but it was all just Spider-Man and heroes and villains and whatnot. Picked him up for six bucks, and he's fully articulated just like a Marvel Legends figure, so I was pretty happy with that one. But the thing that made the whole trip worthwhile was I found Spider-Man from the Sentinel Build-A-Figure wave, mint on card, and it just so happened to be the last piece that I needed to finish my original Toy Biz Sentinel that's been sitting there without a head and torso for probably six or seven years now. (laughs) I just never wanted to spend the money for that piece. But for $12, ready to roll, I couldn't pass it up. So I now have finished with my Sentinel Army. I don't think I need any more Sentinels. So no more repaints. (laughs) Now, how does it compare to the Hasbro one? I know the Hasbro Galactus was taller than the Toy Biz Galactus. Is the Sentinel a little smaller from Toy Biz? Just slightly. And it's when we first got Galactus last year and I held him up next to my Toy Biz Galactus, it was a real easy choice for me, which Galactus I was keeping. The new Masterworks one was far superior to the old one. Now, some of the problems there were, like you said, scale. That was, it was a little bit smaller and just not as intimidating. But this Sentinel is cool in its own right. You know, I, I love the new Masterworks Sentinels and, you know, I'm not going to replace either one of them with this older one. But this one has some character that the Galactus didn't have that just kind of makes him exciting. He feels more classic and more metal. I'll, I'll take some pictures and you guys can take a look at him if you've never seen him. But he's he's a nice, hulking, bulky figure in his own right. Very cool. I know I've been really getting into some of the legends and the Build-A-Figures kind of determine my buying. And with eBay, I'll look for either really cheap lots that include the variants or just piecemealing. And I started the first set I did get with Galactus. The second set I got was the MODOK set. And I actually got a second set of that so Marjorie could build a MODOK <laughs> for her office. And I just recently got the Spyro figure I needed to build my rope. Ooh, yeah, she's the one that comes with the the Red Hulk head. Uh, She's very elusive. (laughs) Yeah, she was the one that I paid a little more than I wanted to for, but the rest I all got so cheaply that it it balanced out pretty well. Yep. Somebody at Hasbro was smart in the marketing department back then, putting together that that distribution of which pieces of Hulk go where, because (laughs) I don't think Spiral would have been all that popular of a character had she not been the head of Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) Well... While the stores have been a little dry, I said I hit Toys R Us. I've been hitting Toys R Us pretty regularly because, as we mentioned with our New York Comic Con coverage, at the Times Square Toys R Us, I spotted Thor Wave 4 and picked up a few of those figures only to find that my case had shipped from Entertainment Earth. That night, about 20 minutes prior. Yeah, same evening as I was buying some figures there. And a buddy of mine, Nick, in New York, who also collects Marvel, told me he had found Wave 4 at other Toys R Us's in the New York area. And so I'm like, well, Thor Wave 4 is shipping to Toys R Us. Is it hitting anywhere outside of Manhattan? And the answer I'm seeming to guess from my own anecdotal evidence is no. I'll add to your anecdotal evidence. I've been peeping the Thor figures at the Toys R Us's around here as well, and nothing beyond Wave 1 in this area. And I wonder if it's just something about sell-through or space. I would seriously, though, with the holiday stocking going on, and I mean stocking as in store shelves getting toys, not stocking as in what you put over your fireplace. Toys R Us, the chain, is getting them. So that would be where I'd watch. 
But I did come home to find my case from Entertainment Earth, and for people who are trying to decide whether to buy these on eBay or check stores or play the long game, I thought I'd run through the five new figures we have here. The first figure, number 16, is the figure everybody wants from the bunch. It is the only all-new figure in the wave. It is Sif. Staff Strike Sif. She's the golden ticket in that wave. She is packed one per case and really hard to find. And you know what? I gotta say, I know they only packed her one per case because they think, oh, female figures don't sell. Boys don't want to play with female figures. Yes, they do. They made this figure a bit of a chase figure and putting her one per case in a case that isn't really shipping. But man, they made her for collectors. The detail they put in her is incredible. The articulation, she's got the double-jointed knees, jointed ankles. She's a little difficult to stand because she's got these, like, high heel boots that are a mixture of Stripper and Gene Simmons. <laughs> They're good wedge. But with the paint they've given her, all of the detail, even her accessories, I'm not sure what the name of her weapon is. I guess the battle staff has, like, some gold detailing on the handle of it. Really just a very nice figure. And I think there's a lot of new parts on her. For example, she's wearing chest armor, so it's not just your standard Marvel Universe figure body there, where you've just got, like, the weird boobs that hang over the belly. There's actually some sculpted chest plates there, and they've got some sculpted pieces on the forearms. Really great in every way but one, and that's I wish it resembled the actress who played Sif more. It's kind of close, but not. She looks like somebody, and I just cannot put my finger on who it is that she reminds me of. It's something about her eyebrows. Uh, maybe she's got a little Laura Flynn Boyle going on in there. Yeah, that's a good call on that. I could definitely see that. Yeah, that's, I mean, not having it in hand, just looking at these photos you took, it's it's a great-looking figure. And as you mentioned, you know, with, with the movie lines, they, they never cross over into using Marvel Universe characters or pieces. They always use new sculpts from their own line, and sometimes those move over to the Marvel Universe. So maybe some of these pieces and parts can move over that way eventually but yeah they did a they did a great job on this sculpt i am gonna say though and marjorie may kick me under the table for uh-huh. this but like all women fashion was more important than function because you've got all of this leg articulation but she's got this like plastic back skirt so you can't really have her kneeling or anything no and she's got really well articulated shoulders but she also has these shoulder pauldrons that prevent you from raising her arm very high. And she's got neck articulation, but she's got a big ponytail that prevents you from turning her head very far. <laughs> so it's like they've added all this articulation, but I'm not quite sure what you can do with it. <laughs> you know, for me, it's just comforting knowing it's there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd rather have it there and not use it than not have it and need it. I mean, it seems like... Uh, a discussion we've had with a lot of the Thor figures, you know, when, when dealing with these type of costumes, you have a lot of capes, you have a lot of waistcoats, you have a lot of flowing things, you have a lot of hard armor bits. It's, it's kind of difficult to, to get any of these guys into poses. I mean, even, even Loki has a long, you know, coattail thing going on the back. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of, kind of a problem of just the costume design overall, not necessarily a, a problem with the figure. And I wish her hair would have been different because it's like kind of like an action pose hair. 
So you're going to have to pose her kind of in an action shot because of the way it is in the back. And it looks nothing like the girl in the movie at all. Oh, she's kind of mannish. Not really. Yeah, don't you think she was mannish, Justin? In the movie she was, but she's kind of she's kind of hot in real okay. life. I think it comes through in the movie. Sometimes she has kind of like Xena princess warrior hair going on, and that doesn't help her. No. <laughs> There's nothing more mannish than Xena. <laughs> hey, Xena was hot in Euro Trip. <laughs> Bring up the Swagshin Goggin! Yeah. It's nice that she comes with two weapons, but... And I know you were very hotly anticipating this little action figure because she was one of your favorite characters. Had she been better utilized in the movie, I'd probably be more excited about this figure. But it's nice to round out Thor's posse. I'm not a completist like you. You have... If they have make one, they have to make them all. Or since Thor has a posse, you have to have the posse. I think that's, that's a fair statement. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> For me, I'm still... You know, we talked about how... I'm a little nervous that this may never show up at retail, so I need to kind of figure out what I'm willing to pay for this figure because I do feel like I need it, but like what's what's my comfort level? You know, do I do I go ahead and maybe buy one for 25 bucks and then by doing that, do I become the cooler and then find one at TJ Maxx in a month from now? This is what I'm going to say is that if you can play the long game on it and wait because we know this has shipped to Toys R Us somewhere and we know that some of the hard-to-find Wolverine figures showed up at TJ Maxx and all those places. They made this figure. And it's not like she's really going to go up in price if you wait a year. Exactly. I think that's what I'll do. I'll wait. I mean, I've waited this long. I don't know why I would need to pull the trigger now other than the fact that I see you have it. It kind of <laughs> makes me a little antsy. I give you two weeks, Justin. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a challenge. Yeah, I bet you can't hold out till the next show. It's going to eat at you. It's going to you're gonna lay awake at night and think about the Sith figure and how you don't have one. It killed me to open her, I'll be honest. It was really <laughs> hard to open her knowing I will never have another Sith mint on card. <laughs> well, don't say it like that. <laughs> now it's making the challenge even harder. But maybe I'm the cooler. Maybe everybody will have Sith next week. Let's hope. The rest of the wave is repaints, but I got to say they're pretty good repaints. The next one we have is Axe Attack Thor, and this is a repaint of the Wave 1 Thor. Now, this is the one that I refer to as Thor from Tron. I think it looks like he's some sort of weird forest ranger. It's very green. It, it is really green. Hey, we haven't seen this axe before. Yes, we have. We it have? just wasn't white. That is the same silly little accessory that uh, came before. I see what you did there. I still, I still get confused that Clark had Superman, so forgive me if it's a different color and it's confusing me. <laughs> this is a stupid toy. I'm sorry. This axe is it's ridiculous. We said the same thing with Doorway right. of One. Yes, these are bad accessories. You can't even hold it well. <laughs> now, this time, Thor has a translucent green hammer, too. That should glow in the dark. If they're going to do glow in the dark throughout the wave, this guy needs to have some, too. Because like you said, Arnie, he looks like he's from Tron. How cool would it be if like his little highlights all glowed? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not quite sure that repainting Thor in the same way that you repaint Iron Man <laughs> has the same allure. You know, if you repainted him to various comic incarnations, if we had Ultimate Thor and Silver Age Thor and 80s Thor, but we have a lot of those already in the Marvel Universe line. But I think going with comic incarnations, bearded Thor, shaven Thor, all of that would have worked. But yeah, just taking these Thor and Thor doesn't even change outfits. It just changes the color of his outfit. 
I don't know. It, I don't see this having the same legs as the Iron Man line where kids would be like, I want Thor in blue, and now I want Thor in gold, and now I want Thor in eggshell. Yeah. Maybe if these would have been mixed in earlier before there was so much Thor fatigue, I would have been a little more excited about them. But I feel like by the time these roll around, I've already been looking at the same three or four Thor figures on the pegs for, for months and months now. So you're all Thor out? <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe the next figure will help. It is Sorcerer Fury Loki in his very green outfit. I kind of like the outfit. Well, did they get a deal on green paint or something? Well, Loki's color is green. I mean, he always wears green. But this is a very dark green. It's kind of a cool little thing. He comes with the same accessories he did before. The two, quote, daggers. And daggers is in quotes. (laughs) And the silly sword that becomes Billy Club's. Now, this one, though, they gave him a crappy paint job. If you take a look at some of the photos I took, his arm joint is a weird light green that doesn't even come close to matching his outfit. Oh, yeah, the actual joints just don't match. They're, like, yeah, not at all. And under his head, you can see green coming through, like they actually used a green plastic and then painted skin tone on it. Wow. Yeah, see, this one This one looks like it might be a Turkish bootleg of the original Thor Loki <laughs> figure, you know? Why you gotta pick on the Turks? <laughs> it just seems to be where all the bootlegs came yeah. from in the in the 80s. It's Oki. <laughs> Oki. It's not Loki, it's Oki. <laughs> from the hit movie Thier <laughs> comes Oki. <laughs> I like the look of the outfit. I wish the paint job was a little bit better, but I like the green on him. I think that it is actually a figure that if you need to put Loki in two different scenes or setups on your shelf, this is a good variant of Loki. Although, I just, I don't see it needing to be its own figure. Just, you know, a variant the same way they did Odin with gold and Odin without gold accents. They could have done Loki in a different colored outfit. Yeah, some of me wonders if, like, maybe these were supposed to be part of, like, a battle pack at some point, you know? <laughs> Remember, like, with the Indiana Jones line, that's where you would get some slightly repainted versions of the same figure again? I don't know. I keep saying it after every figure, but the repaints have me tired <laughs> of Thor. Well, figure 19 is probably not going to help. It's Cosmic Armor Thor. He's kind of gone a little mauve. Yeah, it's the maroon cape. I do not like it at all. And his little silver things on his chest plate, they look like they're like that weird yellow glow-in-the-dark color. Like they're That's because they glow in the dark. Well, all right then. See, that's perfect. I didn't know that. Yes, they actually do Why? glow in the dark. Why do I need that? What I was surprised with is the hammer he comes with is also that eerie green color. And I really, when the card said glow in the dark, I thought for sure it was the hammer that glow in the dark. So imagine my surprise when the lights went out and it wasn't the hammer, but rather the six cow nipples. (laughs) Cow nipples. (laughs) So actual like old school, take it and hold it up to a light, turn out the lights and watch it glow in the dark, glow in the dark? Yes, Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. Oh, all right. I kind of dig gimmicks like that. But why do you need it? You don't. All right. It's purely for gimmick. It would have made more sense if it was the hammer. Now, he comes with one of those giant open-up swords again. Now, I know we commented on this specific open-up sword last time, but this time it's worse. No, 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 no. Actually... (laughs) Oh, boy. I don't know who he's using that on. (laughs) It now appears to be some sort of sex toy. 
It always appeared to be some sort of sex toy, but making just the tip of it purple makes it worse. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) What the hell were they thinking at Hasbro doing this? Seriously, what the hell are they thinking? I mean, seriously, is it inside that sword because when he has it as carry-on luggage, he doesn't want people to know what he's carrying? (laughs) It's incognito. But is he going to be able to get a sword in his (laughs) (laughs) carry-on? Wow. Could they have made that any more (laughs) foul? Well, the final figure of the wave is my second favorite. The first favorite being Sif. The second, Marvel's Inferno Destroyer. And this is the Destroyer repainted in black. But again, he has that glow-up feature that is really cool because he does not look translucent when you're looking at the figure. They gave it such a great plastic and paint job, but you light him up and, oop, he is translucent. Hmm. See, that's something they did very well on the first version, too, which is, you know making it a one-way type of paint that you can't tell that it's going to show through until you actually hit the button. So that's pretty cool. And I I think I like it in the darker color. I do too. And I think it's slightly more movie accurate than what I recall. It's hard to say. He was always in different lighting. You know, sometimes he was in sunlight and sometimes he was just in the the hallway there with the blue glow around him. But it's hard to say. Kind of like the Han Solo... You know, he's kind of got like a gimp outfit on. He does. And honestly, they're very menacing. And I love, I just love them. I think this is one of my favorite. I always like the bad ones. Huh. Unfortunately, he's just way out of scale. Having seen the movie now, when we first reviewed the figure, we didn't know he was supposed to be like twice as tall as Thor. But he was bigger than that, wasn't he? I think we had this problem originally, too. We couldn't tell. Even after we saw the movie, it's hard to tell how tall he's supposed to be. Yeah. You know, in some some scenes, he's two stories tall. In some scenes, he seems like he's maybe, you know, two feet taller than Thor. So it's not Hasbro's fault. I'm going to have to go ahead and blame the filmmakers on that one. Well, overall, I'm really glad I ordered this wave, even if it means that I've got some Thor Wave 1 figures for the Toys for Tots bin now. You know, after seeing them here with pictures and stuff like that that you took... It does it does them a little more justice than just the standard shots that have been floating around out there. Thank you. I will take that as a compliment for my photography. So if, <laughs> if you want to guess how long it is before Justin breaks down and buys his own Sif, put it on our <laughs> Facebook wall or on our Twitter account and let us know. I say two weeks. I say by the time we hit the next show, he's going to have ordered it on eBay or something. <laughs> Only if I get the right deal. Well, I haven't found any new figures in stores. All of the Christmas stuff is out, and that means there are a lot of Marvel gift sets out there for the little boy or little man in your life. They're kind of cute, actually. I like them. There's a Soak and Slam Spider-Man set, so you can play basketball in the bathtub and have some soap. There's also a Groom and Go set. There's one for Captain America and one for Spider-Man. They're actually really cool because it's got a Captain America holding a little shaving mirror, and the other one has a Spider-Man mirror, and it's got some really neat little accessories in it. I think we moved too fast past the Soak and Slam. Are they really saying we're supposed to be playing basketball in the tub? I don't know, Justin, you have children. Is this what you do in the tub? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I go in there, I do what I have to do when I get out. Is that what kids do is they play basketball in the tub? I think anything to get them wet, right? Anything to make bath time fun. (laughs) Oh, kids love baths. At least mine, dude. You know, I mean, they they love to get in the bath. But basketball in the tub, I just, I feel like that kind of encourages standing up and maybe trying some slam dunks and slipping and (laughs) hitting your head on ceramic. I don't know. 
There's also Superhero Squad Bubble Bath, which last year we got some of this, but Captain America has now replaced Hulk in the package. I don't know why Hulk has been shunned. Why Hulk and Owen soap? Hulk like bath? Hulk does like bath. It's like candy scented. It's great. Did they switch up the flavors? Um, Do we remember what they were last year? Because it looks like they still have apple. Yeah, these are about the same as they are last year. Yeah, apple. Hulk was apple last time. Yeah, but now it's Captain America's because it's avenging apple. I know these are just supposed to be cute little things, but I do not like the face on Captain America. I like them. I think they're kind of cute. They carved a chin in there, yeah. and it almost looks like he has a triple or a quadruple chin going because of that. Iron Man looks like he really just wants to see your boobies, doesn't he? <laughs> He's got this devious look like, take it all off, girl. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. I'm sitting on the bathroom counter as somebody's getting undressed, and yeah, you look he over, and he's like, Ooh. It looks like Chucky. <laughs> now, there's also another Spider-Man. It's a body wash and bath mitt combo, which is like a loofah hand mitt. You put the soap on, then wrap Spider-Man all over your body. That seems a little odd. Oh, no, it gets weirder, because the other two items that I found, I found one for Spider-Man and one for Captain America, and they are loofahs attached to, like, busts. So you've got two Spider-Man poses. You've got a Spider-Man and a Venom, each with a loofah at the bottom. And then you get Spidey Sense body wash. Now, they squirt water out of these loofahs, so you can fill it up and then squirt. This sounds like it's a big mess. Well, if you did it in the shower, I mean, usually showers have four walls or three walls and a curtain. And then they have the same for Captain America, where one, he's got his doing the fist pump, the terrorist fist pump there. And Lufa's, it looks like he's wearing a, tat, a tutu and he's a ballerina, actually, kind of, because it's, it's just his torso. <laughs> you and know he looks what? really unhappy about being the ballerina. <laughs> These are the product of a late afternoon meeting with the <laughs> licensing department at Marvel. And mm-hmm. they said, what? Lufas? Okay, whatever. Let's just move on to the next thing so we can get out of here. Yeah. A Friday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, because it looks like he's at the dance recital with the way they've got the loofahs. And then it also comes with body wash, and it's Patriot Punch body wash. <laughs> Most ridiculous thing ever, but I'm probably going to buy them. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to Lufa with Spider-Man? Well, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man or Andrew Garfield Spider-Man? This is looks like comic book fictional Spider-Man. Then no. Now, over at Big Lots, they have Spider-Man Hot Cocoa gift sets. It comes with two Spider-Man mugs that say Go Spidey on them and some Nestle's Hot Cocoa. It's eight bucks. It's not bad. I want to give it to anybody because they're kind of crappy looking mugs. But if you want something kind of fun, I guess. Let me give them a shout-out for actually having Hershey's Cocoa. If you listen to Star Wars Action News, our sister podcast where we do Star Wars collecting, they have a very similar set, and while the mugs are better, the hot cocoa is generic and really tastes bad. I mean, Nestle's like grade A, Swiss misses B. The stuff that they give with the Star Wars mugs is like F. Like, you'd have to open it up, replace it with different hot cocoa to not be embarrassed to give it to somebody. So here, the mugs are a little bit bad, but we started the show, we were drinking this hot cocoa out of these mugs. And oh, I'm not going to pass up Nestle's hot cocoa. Yeah, yeah. It had marshmallows in it. It was awesome. <laughs> they also had Spider-Man Christmas wrapping paper, which is really cool. Arnie's gifts are going to be wrapped in Spider-Man paper this year. And As is whoever gets either of us in the yes. gift exchange. It was really nice, and I guess somebody only with children or with a man who collects would appreciate this but it's a super long roll like not like lengthwise but like tall like you could wrap big things in it 
Now, is it actually Christmas paper or is it just Spider-Man themed? No, it's red and green. Nice. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And again, it was like two bucks or something. It was really cheap. Big Lots is a cheap, cheap place. I also work right by a Walgreens, so I walked over to the Walgreens. And they had, and this is the first time I've seen this anywhere, a Disney slash Marvel display at one of the ends of the aisles. And it had little notebooks in it and like stationary sets. Like where you get an eraser or pencil and a little notebook. They had a dry erase little flippy chart with some dry erase markers, a pencil case. And then I bought Arnie some Spider-Man pens that they had. And then he says, I don't use pens at work, so I guess I'll use them at home. Wow, $2. Yeah. (laughs) So you can get Disney Princess and Spider-Man. Have all of your bases covered. Yep. Why can't girls just get Spider-Man? Why do they need Disney princesses? I didn't need Disney princesses. I always went to the Star Wars stuff when I was a little girl. Everything that I found was under $10. Mostly $9.99, but good fun gifts for people. Yeah, I think I'm going to end up with the Spider-Man loofah, just to just to say that I bought a Spider-Man loofah set. All <laughs> I can think of when someone says loofah is the line from Caddyshack. Honey, <laughs> come in here and loofah my stretch marks. Uh, Noonan can't beat him. So I'm not the only one who thinks it then. Justin's on the same page. He knew what I was talking about. I'm pretty sure Caddyshack is responsible for teaching me what the word loofah even was. (laughs) Up until that point, I probably had no idea. (laughs) Well, to finish off the store report, I think we should help people with some Christmas shopping and offer up not one, but two more prizes that we're giving away as part of our one-year anniversary. And these are two $25 gift certificates to BackstageToys.com. And to win those, you can enter with any of the entry methods we list tonight. And another of the entry methods is come to our forums, and we're going to start a special thread where you can post a Marvel figure review. And just post a figure review with some photos you took of a figure. Any figure could be Toy Biz, could be Mego, could be Hasbro. And just give us a brief review of what you think of the figure, and that gets you an entry to win one of tonight's great prizes. Very cool. Well, why don't we move on to... Sales to Astonish! Well, in a sign that new things are coming our way very soon, Hasbro Toy Shop had the two new comic packs in stock. Now, I'm not sure if I missed a very small window of opportunity or if they just put them up and haven't actually stocked them yet. But as of right now, they are not in stock. But I'm keeping my eye on it because I really want to get my hands on the Wonder Man and Quicksilver pack and the Bullseye and New Daredevil pack. So keep your eye on Hasbro Toy Shop every day and refresh like Arnie does to make sure you can grab those when they do come in stock. Well, also check your stores, because Entertainment Earth reported that the case, the revision comic pack case that has those as well as, again, Power Man and Iron Fist and some of the others, was in stock and shipping. So Hasbro is shipping those cases. It's not just Hasbro toy shops. So keep an eye on stores, and these may be showing up at Target, Walmart, or Toys R Us anytime. Also, what's going to be coming anytime, just on our last show, I talked to the guys at Diamond and asked them, hey, Anna Venom, any chance of me ever getting him again? Or, I'm sorry, any chance of our listeners ever getting him at a reasonable price? Oh, yeah, all for the listeners. Wink, wink. <laughs> and their response was, we have no plans to re-release Anti-Venom. Now, is it a result of me asking? Is it a result of everybody asking? But 
one week after telling me that, they announced on their Facebook page, oh, hey, we're re-releasing Anti-Venom next year. <laughs> how weird is that? <laughs> I mean, how come how come they would tell you no? Like, Because it wasn't like it was a huge tie-in with something else that they were... Maybe it was just their own internal, like, we're not announcing this until such a date. I think that's what it is. And the guy who told me said, I'll have to check with so-and-so to be sure, but to my knowledge, we have no plans to re-release Anti-Venom. And he's their PR guy, so you'd think he'd know, and he never changed it until it was on the Facebook page. But I was very happy. I had a saved search set up. I was kind of like Justin. I was like, well, what am I going to set my price on for this Anti-Venom Select? Because it looks really cool. They said they aren't planning on re-releasing him. But now they are, and the price on eBay is plummeting fast. Already, they're selling now for $26, whereas days before this announcement, they were selling for 86 Yeah. Nothing like a good re rerun of a product to kill some scalper deals out there. <laughs> this is shipping in February. You'll be able to pre-order him now at Diamond Select, but he's going to be everywhere, so you can go to your local comic store and ask them to get him, or just wait till one of the Marvelicious Toy sponsors has him and order from there. And speaking of shipping... So I saw that the uh, Hot Toys Iron Man Mark V is starting to ship. Have you got yours yet? No, this was before I learned the hard way that I should just order everything from Sideshow. And I ordered from Best Comics International in New Hyde Park, New York. And I haven't heard anything yet, but they may not be the first in line to get it. True. And there's no fakes of these rolling around yet, so <laughs> you should be all right there. <laughs> Isn't it only the one he bought me that had the problem? So far. So far, yep. <laughs> How about you? Have you gotten yours yet? That one I didn't pre-order. I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I figured I'd play the long game on that one. And so far, I think I may have made the right choice because I haven't seen it go up in price now that it's starting to ship. So I may I may pull the trigger on that one this week on eBay. It's nice. Now, I did get a shipping notice on my Captain America The First Avenger hot toy. Ooh. That is coming to me from Sideshow. And... Also, you know, just in time for the holidays, Sideshow has started billing me because I went flex pay <laughs> on the Iron Man with the gantry. <laughs> flex pay's the way to go sometimes. Again, it's going to take the sting out. It's like just losing my allowance for a few months instead of having a big hit on the credit card all at once. It's $90 a month for five months, and then it's over. <laughs> it's kind of like a shakedown from a, from a loan shark or something. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you get something cool out of it rather than just not getting a broken arm. Now, also up for pre-order online, Bowen has put up some new items. First is a Thing statue, which is sculpted by Randy Bowen himself. We saw this, I believe, at San Diego Comic-Con, maybe at New York Comic-Con on display. This thing has some incredible detail on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at all the individual little rocks that make up thing in there, each carved out and just very nicely painted as well. If I was if I was a Thing fan, I think this would be a nice piece to have front and center. They also put up for order the Clint Barton Goliath statue, and this guy is funky. He's being made to order. Wow. He, he looks kind of like a go-go dancer. It's a it's a funky outfit on yeah. him. They've made several other Goliath outfits, and they're just continuing. And this one, I got to say, though, props to them for giving him quite an endowment. 
<laughs> yes, he he's ready for Christmas. He's got a large Christmas package <laughs> ready ready to deliver. Oh, who's he going to deliver it to? <laughs> it looks like somebody at the Blue Oyster Club. With oh. That top. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I, what function does that top <laughs> provide for anything? It covers <laughs> <What>? his nipples. <laughs> Form over function, but poor form. <laughs> then if you're into the Bowen minibus, they put up, and there's just, this is a tremendous paint job, the Eternity minibus. This thing is a work of art in the paint they put on it. Holy crap. Wow. Nice. And That's pretty cool. For a minibus, because Eternity is so big, this is over a foot tall. Wow. Now, you have to be in their collector club to order it, and you have to order it by Thanksgiving, but... It is phenomenal looking. They also put up a Surtur mini bust, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's something I've read. It's not something I've ever heard said. And he's also huge, over 13 inches tall. Look at that hair. It's flame head going on. Looks like the cover of an Ozzy Osbourne album. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sweet. Some good details in there. Nice big broadsword. Finally, they announced on their Facebook page an upcoming statue of Spider-Man. And this one, I may break down and make my second Bowen statue because it has him in a really cool web-swinging pose, but the base is what makes it. You got, like, Doc Ock arms coming out of it and some bullet holes and everything. It's just a really dynamic piece. So if you haven't liked them on Facebook, take a look at this. I want to see the final production shots. These look like they were taken with an iPhone 1. Yeah, kind of grainy. It does. It looks like somebody was walking by and just snapped a picture. As didn't even break stride. <laughs> so that's it for our online news. Since we were talking about minibus, why don't you, Justin, go ahead and announce our fifth prize for the show? Can I get a drum roll? No. Okay. <laughs> and our fifth prize shall be an exclusive San Diego Comic-Con movie version Captain America mini-bust. If you want a chance to win any of these prizes, sign up for our new show announcement newsletter, and that gets you one entry for any and all of these prizes. Now, the other day, I was at our comic book store, and I saw something new, Marvel Universe 2011 trading cards, and it was Avengers, The Kree, Scroll War, and... I am a fan of trading cards in general. Marjorie loves blind-packed items, so I picked up four packs of these to get her just to, you know, it looked like it had some cool art based on the box, and I was like, all right, this, these could be fun. And I remember back in the 90s getting the Marvel Masterworks trading cards, and recently I got some of the Women of Marvel trading cards, so I thought, why not? These were the worst trading cards ever. <laughs> they were. They were horrible. And I like some crappy things. <laughs> Wait, bad art? Just bad cards or what? Both? Here's the thing. Usually when you get a trading card, it's an individual item. But these were like blind packaged puzzle pieces. And so I'd open a pack and it would have five cards in it that were random pieces that you'd need maybe 15 or 16 cards to make the picture. So I'd have one card that would be like Spider-Man's knee and Thor's hammer. <laughs> And each pack didn't even go to the same image, so I couldn't even make half the image. I ended up with, like, three pieces to one and four pieces to another. Nowhere on the packaging did it say, collect all 16 to make an image. 
I thought I was getting just regular old trading cards. I got home. Imagine how frustrating that is. Imagine if all puzzles were blind packaged and you got five pieces per package. You will never know if you can complete your puzzle. <laughs> no, wait. That's the whole card? Is that? Like, it's not... Like, in some trading cards, you know, every once in a while they throw one or two in the back that have that as their back rather than a stat card. That was what I thought at first. No, all the cards were like that. <laughs> Lame. Yes. There was one card, which I believe was probably a chase, that was, I think, the entire mosaic as one card. And then there was one card that I think was also a chase, which was a piece of the mosaic, but it was like an overhead projection-type transparency. <laughs> you know, remember from, like, grade school, when you had the overheads? <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was like that. All of these cards went right in the garbage. <laughs> That's horrible. How much were they? They were $3 a pack. Ouch. That's not cool. But you know what? I'm going to try to flush the bad taste out of my mouth because Jerry is here with a segment talking about some better trading cards from previous years. Let's turn back the clock for Timely Reviews. Hey everybody, Jerry here to bring you my latest Timely Review. This time, I'm taking a break from the toys and going to a different type of collectible, trading cards. You see, I've collected quite a bit of sports cards over the years, and right around the time of 1993-1994, I was getting a bit fed up. Around 92, I decided to start collecting all baseball, football, basketball, and hockey cards. It got to be way too much, made worse from the fact that everyone was putting out three or four sets per company. You had Topps, Topps Stadium Club, Topps Finest, Bowman, Fleer, Fleer Ultra, Fleer Flare. Yeah, you get the point. And that's also about the time when random chase inserts were becoming all the rage. It occurred to me that I could never get the best card of my favorite players, and there were easily 15 cards a year of each player I liked to collect. So I got out of it about the same time I started college. Now, what also didn't help was that in 1992, I started buying action figures again. G.I. Joe started to make some really cool figures again of all their key characters. Toy Biz started making X-Men and Spider-Man figures. And there were strong rumors that Star Wars was soon to come back. With all that, I turned away from collecting sports cards and really never looked back. Now, you may recall the first few waves of X-Men figures from Toy Biz came with a trading card packed in. But Fleer put out a couple sets in 1994 that really grabbed my attention. Back then, I was in college and didn't have a lot of spending cash, but I made room for the 1994 Fleer Marvel Universe cards. These cards really grabbed my attention with the high-gloss varnish, foil stamping, and some stunning artwork. Artwork with regards to the card layout and the character art. The set starts off with nine cards of key characters in freeze-frame shots. It would appear that the character art is laid over top actual photographic backgrounds. Kind of cool and something I hadn't really seen before. Now, the next 72 cards are grouped in eight sets of what are called nine-block battles on the checklist that each form sort of a mosaic of a big comic crossover. Now, Flair was smart on this because the nine cards would go into a typical 3 by 3 plastic sheet to allow you to see this overall image. Now, these groups included the X-Men Fatal Attraction series, Wolverine getting the adamantium ripped out of them, Maximum Carnage with Spider-Friends and Spider-Villains galore, to the Bazaar with the Punisher Suicide Run that features a card of the Yep Punisher. Now, I have no idea what that's about, but it is humorous. The remaining hundred cards or so feature individual heroes and villains grouped by comic series. There are 35 X-Men characters, 9 Spider-Man, Eight characters from Ghost Rider, ten Avengers, and the set even includes 2099 cards of Spider-Man, Hulk, the X-Men, and many more. Now, the set's very X-Men heavy, but part of that is due to the fact that the Generation X comic was pretty new around this time, and about all their key characters are in there. 
There are ten of them alone, counting White Queen and Banshee. Now, what I love about these cards is that the back of each character card is very informative. Gives you a quick bio, and also has a second image on the back that represents and tells about a key storyline called Moment of Truth. Let me read you one from the Venom card. It says, Venom makes an uneasy peace with his hated enemy Spider-Man after the hero saves the life of Brock's ex-wife, as seen in Amazing Spider-Man 375, March 1993. Now, this is very cool. I read something I didn't know on almost all of these cards. Now, it too had some limited edition chase cards. There were four holograms, of which I was lucky to pull the Wolverine out of, nine Power Blast cards, and ten suspended animation cards, which were my personal favorites. This is where there would be a character image printed on a clear acetate card. Now, of this, I have the Spider-Man, which does look very cool. Now, back in the day, I probably only bought about ten packs of these cards and, and stored them in a binder of plastic sheets along with some of the other cards I was buying at the time. Now, I had since put all those cards away, and 16 years later, I realized that the only ones that I could find were the Spider-Man characters, a handful of Wolverine cards, but none of the others. So about two months ago, I went eBay and found a complete base set of these cards for $8. Now this was really cool because it was the first time I ever saw any of these 9-block battle cards together, and I got to see many character cards for the first time as well. Then there was one other set that Fleer made that year that I hunted down and bought a few packs of, and it was the 1994 Marvel Masterpiece featuring artwork of the Hildebrand Brothers. This is a fantastic set featuring 140 cards. Each card depicts the character in some dynamic pose and are very well known for their clever use of lighting effects and some really intense faces. Now you have to see the Enhanced Podcast to really get this, but there are some phenomenal images here. My favorites include Captain America, the base of the Statue of Liberty, Carnage going berserk over Times Square, a back alley shot of Deadpool, Galactus about to devour some poor planet, Rogue flying high in the atmosphere above a space shuttle, and one of my favorite, albeit odd shots, is Professor X sitting in front of a computer with the green glow on his bald little head. Now, a few images don't work. Poor Magneto looks possessed, and I think it's a very poor depiction of the character. And for some reason, M from Generation X just looks like Sidney Crawford. Now, there were three different types of chase cards here, too. One was a holofoil subset, and the other was a power blast set that would feature an alternate image of nine key characters. I pulled two very cool ones out back then in the 90s, an Apocalypse and a Magneto, which was sweet because those are two of my favorite X-Men characters. The Magneto is a far better image than the base set, too, which is really cool. Now, lastly, there's also gold foil signature variants of each card that have a foil facsimile autograph of Greg and Tim Hildebrands. Now, again, this set was easily obtainable. I got it off eBay for just about 10 to $15. Now, I don't consider myself an extrovert by any stretch of the imagination on Marvel trading cards, but it did appear that Marvel did these masterpiece sets for about two more years, and each set got increasingly rare as the popularity went down. I believe a 1996 base set of the masterpiece cards could run you up to $200, so good luck with that. I did buy a few packs of the 95 set, and they did something really neat with those. They were actually three cards of each character done by different artists. And that set would run you about $90 too, so a little pricey compared to the 94 set. Now before I go, I wanted to share with you another recent trading card experience. I've been organizing my trading cards I have stored in shoe boxes in my closet and came across the most unusual box of cards I completely forgot I had. Amidst all my boxes of football cards was this box of about 500 cards that had many different sets from the 70s and 80s of various movies and TV shows. Among them were Close Encounter of the Third Kind, E.T., Mork and Mindy, and heck, even had some Elvis cards. The really odd ones in this box were these nine Lonely Tops Marvel sticker cards that were dated 1976. They were from a set called Marvel Superheroes, and these are the funniest cards ever. First, the character art is so 70s, but each one has the stupidest captions ever. Let me read you some. Iceman says, 
I'll never eat another frozen dinner. Blade says, I'm a real cut-up, as he's shown getting ready to throw a knife. And in poor taste, Daredevil says, see no evil. Yeah, he's blind, he's part of the legal system, we get it. Now the best ones, though, are Luke Cage, who's got this big roar and he says, like my denture work. And then Invisible Girl, not woman, girl, says, I use vanishing cream. Wow, we have come a long way in Marvel trading cards, that's for sure. Well, everyone, thanks for joining me this go-round of timely reviews. And now, back to Justin and his amazing friends. Well, some of those sound pretty cool, Jerry. I might have to dig out some of my old Kiss and Laverne and Shirley trading cards. Maybe we can work some trades out. You know what ones I had? I had the entire run of the Saved by the Bell cards. Nice. Yeah. Did either of you collect the serial killer cards? Oh, I have a full set. Okay. We were meant <laughs> wow. to be together. Yes. Did you collect them too? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, I happened to swoop in at the right time to the comic book shop in college and get an entire set with none missing. Yes, I was so excited. My dad was excited too. Now, for the collectors out there who like the trading card art, let me tell you, if you ever get a chance to go to one of the cons, especially the Wizard Cons or just eBay, if you're not into the chases and you're not into the variants and all of that, most cards, if you just want a complete set of commons, can be had for $10 or less. I picked up the entire Women of Marvel set for $6 shipped on eBay. Huh. And even some of these older sets, when I go to cons all the time, I'll see sets from the 90s, 80s, and 70s for $10 a set or three sets for 25 bucks at these tables. So definitely keep an eye out. Marvelicious Arcade. Here, a new video game came out last week, something called Sky Mall or Skyline, Skyrim, Skyfall, something. I'm a big gamer, but Skyrim, Gears of War 3, even Batman's Arkham City flew under my radar because for me, the most anticipated game of this year was Spider-Man Edge of Time, the follow-up to last year's Spider-Man Shattered Dimension. It was almost a year ago now, back in issue three of Marvelicious Toys Podcast, that I had the joy of reviewing Shattered Dimensions. You can head to our back issues to hear that full review, but I loved that game. I thought no game had so captured the Spider-Man spirit since Neversoft's PlayStation game back in 2000. And I wasn't alone. Shattered Dimensions was a critical and commercial success, and shortly after the game's release, Activision announced Beanox, the studio that created Shattered Dimensions, would be the developer of, and I quote, all future Spider-Man game, unquote. So when I heard Beanox's next Spider-Man game was due out this fall, all other games ceased to matter. Now, one year later, we have the next Spider-Man game, Spider-Man Edge of Time, available on the Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, PC, and Wii. And Spider-Man Edge of Time is a quasi-sequel to Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions in that Beanox doesn't stray too far from the formula that brought them so much success last year. Spider-Man Edge of Time is a plot-driven platform action game in which you alternate between different incarnations of the Spider-Man character to stop an evil plot. Now, in Shattered Dimensions, you played as four different incarnations of Spider-Man, all straight from the pages of Marvel Comics, but some from alternate realities of the future. In Spider-Man Edge of time, that number of Spider-Men has been reduced to two. The first is called Amazing Spider-Man, and is the standard Peter Parker from the main Marvel Comics universe, and the second is Spider-Man 2099 from Marvel's 2099 imprint that ran from 1992 to 1996. But while the gameplay and characters are similar to Shattered Dimensions, story-wise, the only way to know these two games take place in the same reality is a single line of early dialogue referencing all the other Spider-Men that had been encountered before. While Shattered Dimensions had a 
magical story base as the plot device to bring all the Spider-Men together. Edge of Time has a time travel plot that causes the two heroes to join forces across the span of almost 100 years to defeat a new villain. The plot is written by veteran comic scribe and novelist Peter David. In the Marvel world, David is perhaps best known for his run on The Incredible Hulk as well as his current work on X-Force, but he was also the writer for Spider-Man 2099 as well as several Spider-Man arcs including the beloved Death of Gene DeWolf storyline. David has also written several Star Trek novels and his Trek experience comes to good use here in this alternate reality time travel story. In this game, we start in 2099 where the Spider-Man of that time, real name Miguel O'Hara, is investigating Walter Sloan, a scientist for the evil company Alchemax. Sloan is working on a machine that would allow him to travel back in time and found Alchemax earlier and with his knowledge of future technologies, he would become the most rich and powerful man on Earth. Spider-Man tries to stop him, but Sloan travels back in time and Spider-Man returns to a 2099 unlike the one he knew. So he uses Technobabble to create a psychic link with Peter Parker in 2011, but it's a different 2011 than the one we know. In this alternate reality, Alchemax has already become a huge and powerful company and Peter works there as a research scientist, but still Spider-Man's on the side. More, O'Hara has a vision of Peter Parker's Spider-Man being killed in a battle against Anti-Venom in the Alchemax building. O'Hara tries to team with Parker both to undo Sloan's changing of the timelines and also to keep Peter alive in his battle with Eddie Brock's new symbiotic identity. But a time travel story isn't really a time travel story without a good paradox. And so, using more technobabble that David labels quantum causality, changes in one timeline impact the other. So in some sections of the game, O'Hara may find himself overrun by evil Alchemax experiments, so Parker in 2011 has to rush to destroy the experiment research so those soldiers never exist to attack in the future. It's all very back-to-the-future-ish in its logic, and if you think about it too hard, you'll only hurt yourself. But if you can give this plot its mulligan of time-continuum logic, what you'll find is David has crafted a very fun story full of the self-referential, humorous dialogue that is David's trademark. Such lines as J. Jonah Jameson screaming about Spider-Man that pretty soon there'll be a musical about him with a chorus line of dancing Spider-Man, and Peter Parker replies he'd pay to see that. It's a nice turn-off the dark ruts. As the timeline changes from your events in the game, newspaper headlines showing the changes appear, from Adrian Toomes opens chain of chicken wing restaurants to Hammerhead starts plus-sized hat business. And then when things are set right, Hammerhead accused of crime spree. These little touches had me smiling as the game went on. But while the newspapers did reference many characters from the Marvel Universe, unfortunately, I felt the game was a bit light on characters on screen. While we do see alternate 2011 versions of Anti-Venom and Dr. Octopus, as well as a 2099 version of Black Cat, one of the things I enjoyed so much about Shattered Dimensions was the broad range of baddies you had to fight. And here, the list is somewhat anemic. As an aside, the Nintendo DS version of the game has far more, including Shocker, Arcade, Menace, Rhino, and 2099 versions of Big Wheel and Overdrive, so I may have to review that game at a later time. Still, even with very few fan-favorite evildoers to fight, David has spun an enjoyable web of a story, and the way it's presented here is fantastic. Beanox has done an amazing job of being able to tell the story while gameplay occurs. For example, I may be playing as Amazing Spider-Man beating up bad guys, but in the corner is Spider-Man 2099 telling me what's happening in his timeline and that I need to hurry. This makes the game feel more cinematic while never interfering with the gameplay aspects. Also, it has the single best opening credits I've ever seen in a video game. As Spider-Man 2099, you crawl through some ducks eavesdropping on Sloane's devious plot, and as you crawl, the names of the cast and crew appear. It's a shame that the game's best moments come as soon as you turn it on, but I'll get to that in a minute. Also, the score to the game is epic. By Gerard Marino, who did the music on God of War, it really enhances the cinematic feel of the game, even if it's not something you'd rush out to buy a 
score of on CD. Additionally, the voice cast of this game is first notch. While I'm actually disappointed with how little on-screen time he has, Walter Sloan is voiced by one-time Batman Val Kilmer. I've been a fan of Kilmer's ever since Real Genius, and he plays this role well. Other name actors in the cast include Battlestar Galactica's Katie Sackhoff as Black Cat 2099, Smallville's Supergirl, Laura Vandervoot is Mary Jane Watson, and a strong group of voice actors round out the cast. The casting of the two Spider leads is somewhat ironic, though. Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions cast for its four Spider-Men, four actors who had all voiced Spider-Man in an animated television series. This is repeated here as two actors from Shattered Dimension return, but ironically, the two actors return voiced the incarnations of Spider-Man who didn't return for this game. This time, in the role of Amazing Spider-Man, we have Josh Keaton, who first voiced Spider-Man in the Spectacular Spider-Man animated series just a couple of years ago, and in Shattered Dimensions, he played Ultimate Spider-Man. Now, this made a lot of sense, as the Spider-Man in Spectacular Spider-Man and Ultimate Spider-Man are both teenagers. But here, Keaton does a good job at playing the older Peter Parker, and never once did the voice seem too young for the character. In Shattered Dimensions, Amazing Spider-Man had been voiced by Neil Patrick Harris, and while I love NPH and will be seeing Harold in Kumar 3, his voicing of Spider-Man came at a low point in his career, and his reprising it for the Shattered Dimensions was really shocking. I loved the casting of him, I mean, I'm a big How I Met Your Mother fan, but having him as the voice felt like stunt casting, and to be honest, I don't miss him here. In the role of Spider-Man 2099, we have Christopher Daniel Barnes, the voice from 1990's Spider-Man cartoon, and who played Spider-Man Noir in Shattered Dimensions. To contrast with Amazing Spider-Man, both of these games have given Spider-Man 2099 a deeper, harder voice for its cyberpunk age, and it matches Barnes' capabilities well. In Shattered Dimensions, Dan Gilvezen, who played Spider-Man in the 80s, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, played Spider-Man 2099, and while I have a very nostalgic attachment to his voice as Spider-Man, I can't say I missed him here or honestly even noticed a difference. Such is the ability of a good voice actor, which both Gilvezen and Barnes are. But at this point, you're probably thinking I'm talking a lot about the story and acting, but the game, is it any fun? And I can honestly say, kinda. The last game, Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions, had a great voice cast and a great story written by current Amazing Spider-Man writer Dan Slott, but damn was it fun to play. It is very rare that when I beat a game, I think I want to go back and play it again on a different difficulty or just get more achievement. But with Shattered Dimensions, I did just that. I beat it again just because it was such a fun game to play. The spider moves. To be able to web any item around you, throw it at an enemy, instant classic. Also, the visual styles in Shattered Dimensions where 2099 was video game standard, but noir was sepia tone, ultimate was cell shaded, just drove everything home in a very fun way. And the stealth gameplay aspects of Spider-Man noir levels added a diversity to gameplay, and I never got bored with Shattered Dimension. Unfortunately, all that diversity, both in terms of graphics and gameplay, have been flushed for a more streamlined Edge of Time. First, let's talk gameplay. Edge of Time is a lot like Shattered Dimension. It's a straightforward platform action game with set levels. But to me, Edge of Time seems like a step backwards in level design. I was always stunned in Shattered Dimensions at how expansive the levels seemed to be, and doors opened when milestones were achieved and plot points hit. By contrast, Edge of Time relies on the trope I've been playing since Duke Nukem in 1991. Your levels are often stymied by locked doors, requiring you to find keys by going down alternate paths and beating up people to continue. And in these levels, you beat people up. Lots. As the levels progress, the game designers took the mantra of more is more, and swarms of enemies will surround your character, and you just punch, kick, and web until they're defeated, then walk into the next room and do it again. There are a few new enemy types introduced in later levels that have special attacks or are harder to kill, but the tactics are the same. Repeatedly mash buttons until everyone is knocked out, repeat. Gameplay and enemy 
repetition became a point of tedium for him. In the previous game, the enemies changed levels by level. Ultimate Deadpool's goons were totally different than Craven the Hunters. Different tactics were used, and I'd have to use different skill sets to beat them. Here, it seems I fought the same people for over 10 hours straight, and never really had to change my tactics to do so. Also in Shattered Dimensions, I'd gain XP and get new spectacular spider moves that were visually stunning and really packed a wallop, but may require Mortal Kombat-like button combo. In Edge of Time, I still gained XP and bought upgrades, but I have to say I never saw much benefit to doing so. And the key combinations often were such as press X five times fast, which is what I would do anyway. Last, I was just unimpressed with the interactivity of the world. In Shattered Dimensions, items were scattered about and it felt I could interact with and throw almost anything on the level. In Edge of Time, I do have a web throw power that's used to break through enemies with shields, but it just grabs a random chunk of concrete from nowhere and slams the baddie with it. In a game where the plot is based on events in the past influencing the future, how cool would it have been to have levels where I could break through a wall and then later in the future see the room was adapted because I'd broken through the wall, but if I didn't break through the wall, in the future the wall would still be there. Not only is that time travel aspect not there, but the level interactivity seems stuck at a detail level I'd expect from a game 5 to 10 years ago, not now. All changes to the future come from the script details, not from player actions. That's disappointing. The only break in the button mashing comes with Spider-Man 2099, who has several levels where he plummets from great heights, and you have to control his descent to dodge various obstacles along the way. Think of the Millennium Falcon flying inside the Death Star in Return of the Jedi, and you can probably visualize these levels pretty well. It provides you a targeting reticle to show you the items you're about to hit, and you have to push the control stick to dodge. While at first I really enjoyed these levels, by the end they got so ridiculously difficult it was an endurance test for me to finish this game. Their difficulty was increased by poor controls. When I'd move the joystick, rather than moving based on my taps, Spider-Man 2099 would seem to move one unit, if you follow what I'm saying. As if the screen was a grid and there were 12 squares in which Spider-Man could be, and I'd just be moving him from one square to another. It was a strangely 8-bit gaming experience for a game platform with 64-bit processing. The control problem isn't just confined to the falling levels. All levels have problems control. While Spider-Man was on the ground, he moved like any video game character would, but the moment you had him on a wall or a ceiling, fine control went out the window. Despite having beat the game, getting Spider-Man to crawl in the direction I wanted would be more trial and error than skill. Based on the angle of the camera, the angle on the wall, and more, pushing Spider-Man the wrong way would often send him into deadly laser beams. Web swinging is also problematic. Ever since Neversoft's Spider-Man game, the idea of web zip lines take you from point to point have been employed to great effect. However, in Edge of Time, the same button is used to web zip and web swing. You tap the trigger to zip, you hold it to swing. But the program difference between a tap and a hold were so minimal, I'd often intend to zip and end up web swinging to my death. It's ironic. Early in the script, Amazing Spider-Man says, you want a Spider-Man who will do whatever you want? Go play a video game. Well, I was playing a video game and I couldn't control Spider-Man worth a damn. If my complaints aren't to say this is a bad game, it's just an about average game with some unpolished game control mechanics. The graphics, visually, the game is good. Having recently played the downright ugly X-Men Destiny, seeing up-to-par game graphics was a welcome change. Many of the levels are visually stunning and the character design is spot on. I never fail to be impressed with the ripples of electricity that course through Spider-Man 29's costume, but gone were the various graphic styles denoting the difference between the different Spider universe. At a point in the game, the two Spider-Men switch places in the timeline, and seeing 2099 go to a cel-shaded world, and a cel-shaded amazing go to a grim and gritty future, would have been great fun. But alas, we just have the one style, and while nothing here seemed exceptional, it was all very solid without any frame rate or gameplay issue. And truthfully, this leads me to my assumption. I suspect two things. First, I think Beanox did what everyone should do. They gave their all with Spider-Man 
Man Shattered Dimension. Detailed level design, various types of gameplay, various graphic styles. To use an acting phrase, they left everything on the stage. Which is what entertainers, be they actors or game designers, should do. Give their all, provide the best entertainment they can. It's cynical and jaded to say, save it for the sequel, and Beanox obviously did not do that with Shattered Dimension. But the result of that success is they were crowned King of Spider-Man games and had nothing in reserve. They'd shown their entire hand, and any follow-ups were likely bound to disappoint. But second, this game came one short year after the original. Video games take two to three years to design well, and even if this was in development before Shattered Dimensions was released, I still believe its development schedule to have been truncated. Honestly, with this title release, I'm surprised the game isn't full of bugs. Most rushed games require gigs of downloaded patches to even function, but the compressed release schedule made a game that simply wasn't as detailed, innovative, or fun as the original. It's the case with so many sequels, isn't it? Made for commercial rather than artistic reasons, what you're left with just can't measure up. In the end, I'm an unabashed fan of Peter David's writing and his story and dialogue for Edge of Time are first rate. As is the voice act. It really makes me wish this entire thing was one of Lionsgate's direct DVD animated films rather than a game, because the movie-like aspects of Edge of Time are so enjoyable, it's only the story and acting that kept me playing level after level after level of repetitive button mashing and frustrating quote. While they were fun for the first hour or so, the game's one-note nature does not sustain its 10 to 15 hour playtime. I recommend this game for the story, it's not a bad game, it's just not a very good one either. If you like Spider-Man and Peter David, the story will keep you playing to the end as I did. But if you want a really innovative gameplay experience, well, maybe Skyrim or Arkham City would be the go. Got to get back in time! <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That's what they should have done. They should have somehow figured out how to merge the actual story of Back to the Future into this game. That would have been cool. You could have, like, had Doc Brown running around. You could use the Dorian. And Spider-Man 2099's hand starts fading out as Spider-Man 2011 changes <laughs> things and stops Miguel's parents from ever meeting. <laughs> See, what games like this always do for me is it always makes me aware of some action figures that we need. And I know we talked about Anti-Venom a little bit earlier coming out again in in the select line, but wouldn't you just love Anti-Venom in the Marvel Universe line? I would, but spoiler alert, they got rid of Anti-Venom in Spider Island. There is no more Anti-Venom, so I don't know what our hopes are now. Oh, man. And we don't even have well, a Venom, do we? No, the Venoms we have are both from the... No, actually, that's not true. We got one in the comic pack that's more like the beefed-up Spider-Man version Venom, but it's still not like a symbiote cool, cool Venom. But yeah, we need both Venom and Anti-Venom in the Marvel Universe line. And Carnage. And Carnage. But the Carnage that we have is pretty decent. That one I can live with until we get a great Venom. Yeah, I I always look at these games and sometimes wonder if we need some figures from it, and no... I don't think we do. You know, um, we got the one I really want, which is Spider-Man 2099. I don't think we need Black Cat 2099, and I really don't think we need Val Kilmer's character. <laughs> That's great. Val Kilmer's in it. <laughs> Does it sound like him? I mean, he's got a oh, pretty yeah, he didn't, voice. Oh, yeah, he didn't change his voice at all. He wasn't trying to do the kit voice or anything. But have you seen pictures of him lately? I think he only takes jobs where he doesn't have to leave his chair. <laughs> he used to be Jim Morrison Yeah, he was super hot as Jim Morrison Well, since we're reaching the end of the show I think we should announce our biggest prize For our one year anniversary show 
This is from our friends at Kotobukiya who've been so cool to us throughout the entire year, talking to us at Comic-Con, talking to us at New York Comic-Con, giving us email information. They have donated an Iron Man fine art statue. I own this. It is awesome. It is the bleeding edge armor. It is so cool. Nice. nice. I mean, this is a heavy statue. That's really cool. That's a great prize. So thank you so much to Kodo for this. It's just a totally cool looking thing. It's got him stepping off and his hands out and the repulsors everywhere. It's a very glossy looking statue. That's a great grand prize. Now, over the course of the show, I think we may have confused not only ourselves, but the listeners as well. Maybe, maybe Arnie, you should break down how this works one more time before we get out of here. <laughs> okay. All the prizes we've listed, from the mini-mates to the gift certificates to the t-shirts to the gentle giant Captain America mini-bust to the Iron Man fine art statue, are all going to be given away by random drawing. And the ways you can enter this random drawing, if you share one of our show announcement posts on your Facebook wall, you've entered once. Not for a specific prize. Just Not for a specific prize. You just have one entry in the bucket, and when we randomly draw for a prize, that could be yours. If you retweet one of our show announcements on Twitter, where we are Marvelicious Toy on Twitter, you have entered once in the contest. So you could do both and have two entries. If you come to our forums and post a figure review in the Marvel figure review thread that we will link to from our homepage on MarveliciousToys.com, you've entered. So you could have three entries there. If you sign up for our new show announcement newsletter on our homepage, MarveliciousToys.com, then you've entered. Now, if you're already on that newsletter, you've already entered. And finally, the last way to enter, if you sign up for our Sales to Astonish newsletter, where we inform you of new pre-orders and great bargains that we find online from time to time, then you have entered. So there are five different ways to enter. You can enter up to five times to win any of these six great prizes. And thank you to BackstageToys.com, Gentle Giant, and Kotobukiya for coming together and helping us celebrate our one-year anniversary in some fine, fine style. See, when you put it that way, it's not that confusing. No. And remember, you have to enter all your entries by December 10th and listen to our December 15th show to find out if you were a winner and claim the prize within 30 days of our December 15th show. Awesome. And also, don't forget to head over to our homepage and find the details to sign up for our first ever holiday gift exchange. All three of us will sign up, so maybe you'll get a gift from us or maybe from some other Marvelicious Toys listener. And this is open worldwide, so if you're in Canada or the UK or New Zealand or Zimbabwe or Istanbul... Then you can enter. And also remember, our next show is going to be coming out early instead of December 1st. We will be back on November 24th. That is Thanksgiving in the States because Black Friday, November 25th, biggest shopping day of the year. We're going to be here to tell you what the big Marvel bargains are on toys and video games and more. And also to give you our 2011 holiday gift guide. We've been working hard trying to find some cool and unusual items for the Marvel lover in your life. Or for yourself. Or yourself. That's the, that's the hazard with making these lists, isn't it? I know. I've got a bunch of stuff I've added to wish lists and I want to buy. <laughs> One for him, two for me. Yeah, that's kind of what happens. <laughs> 
So thank you to everyone. And until next time, true collectors, make mine marvelous. Thank you for listening to this episode of Marvelicious Toys. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help our show by leaving a positive review for the show on iTunes. There's even more Marvelicious content at our website, MarveliciousToys.com. At the site, you can see pictures of the products we discussed, find checklists for Marvel toys, talk and trade with the Marvelicious forums, and much more. It's all at MarveliciousToys.com. We want to hear your thoughts on Marvel collectibles. You can leave reports of your latest toy finds as well as product reviews on our voicemail at 803-MARVEL-4 or email an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at MarveliciousToys.com. Marvelicious Toys is produced and edited by Artie Carvalho. Podcast enhancement by Barrett. Marvelicious website design by Jason. Graphic design by Justin. Announcements by Brock. The Marvelicious theme song, Bam Pow Kablam, is composed by Joe Harrison. See more of Joe's work at www.starwarsfanworks.com slash lionsmouth. If you also like Star Wars, Star Wars Collecting is covered weekly at our other podcast, Star Wars Action News, which you can find at swactionnews.com. Marvel Comics and all of the Marvel Multiverse contains are the intellectual property of Marvel Entertainment Incorporated, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. Marvelicious Toys is a production of Inganza Media Incorporated, copyright 2010, all rights reserved. I'm Justin. I feel like a one-year-old, I guess. Are you pooping your pants? A little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> wow. Starting off right out of the gate again. I don't know. Do one-year-olds poop their pants? I know nothing about children. I think they all poop I think their they pants. Might. Yeah. Until they're like 11 or 12, I think. Oh, man. I'm so glad I don't have one. <laughs> I cannot handle that. Arnie alone is enough. <laughs> And now also, one last bit of show business. I wanted to announce... Mm, show business. <laughs> Think before you speak, Arnie. If I did that, I'd never have a podcast. That's true. <laughs> There'd be no bloopers. Be a week, an hour every week of crickets. <laughs> it's retweet a Marvelicious Toys show announcement on your Twitter account, or your mom's, or your grandma's, whatever. But if it's on your mom's or your grandma's, they get the shirt yes. or whatever prize they happen to get. Grandma needs to rock a Deadpool shirt. <laughs> if it's your grandma's, I want to see a picture of her in it. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that. No. He just set it up too easy there, didn't he? <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay. It's always on a laugh too. So I get sound on sound with you. Back. All right. <laughs> and it looks nothing like they're all in the movie at all. And you can see the seam in the head. My I hate ear. when you can see the seam in the head. <laughs> Arnie didn't get it. <laughs> or is he refusing to acknowledge us now? I, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, I'll explain to you later <laughs> with a picture, maybe. I'm a little drugged right now.
asked. Why yeah, I, it's I okay. It. Was it a dirty joke? <laughs> it was. Yes. That's all Justin and I ever do is make dirty jokes. <laughs> I'm kidding. We need to watch two broke girls before recording, apparently. <laughs> it is pretty foul. <laughs> but maybe I'm the cooler. Maybe everybody will have sif next week. Let's and if hope. so, then some penicillin can help. Oh, wait, that's syphilis. <laughs> I'm syphilis right now. But oh. hopefully within two weeks, I'll be syphil. <laughs> Well, why don't we move on to Sales to Astonish. Another funny aside. When Brock was recording all those lines one year ago, he did it while his wife and daughter were asleep, and he was yelled at several times, and the next day they had talks about soundproofing the room. <laughs> really I'm surprised we didn't end up with Sales to Astonish. <laughs> And I'd like to pat Marjorie and myself on the back for not laughing at you wanting to wash the bad taste out of your mouth. Yeah. It, I realized I was saying that. Wait, he and had, then it he had a seam in his I, hair. When I said I was washing the bad taste out of my mouth with Jerry. Oh. <laughs> and I just waited for one of you to interrupt me, and neither of you did, so I just kept going. <laughs> You set it up too easy. Sometimes I think you do it on purpose. Yeah. He likes me to make dirty jokes. I really don't. I don't do it on purpose. I'm just this dumb. <laughs> yeah, right. 